Edina, Lake Harriet, Harmar? Whatever you call it, it's the 40th anniversary of a significant tornado event in this area. This is way over our heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny will get to the 40th anniversary discussion here momentarily, but um, boy, (laughs) just looking out the window at the garden in the yard, you can tell that something kind of turned the corner over the last few days. Well, we were super hot, right? I mean, newsflash, it was hot as hell. It was hot. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and we didn't get any precipitation or, you know, some people got a little downpour here and there, but there wasn't anything widespread and substantial. And our gardens, our grasses, everyone is feeling the effect of that. Yeah, it's become really dry. So uh, I know we're going to talk about the tornado, but we can really quickly recap the heat wave, shall we? That sounds good, Kenny. All right. So we are speaking on Friday, June 11th. This should be the last day of the consecutive run of 90 degree highs and 70 degree lows in the Twin Cities. So I think we can call it the heat wave will break today. Although if you look at the weather service forecast, it's not exactly cold next week. They've still got temperatures you know, in the 80s and 90s in much of Minnesota through next week, it's just not as humid and not quite as persistent. I think there's going to be some ups and downs. But so the main event heat wave will end at some point on Friday, probably before most people hear this. Maybe it'll end with a a little pop, some thunder. But uh, I think the strongest storms will be out out in Wisconsin. And, you know, before we recorded overnight on Thursday night and into Friday morning, there was monster thunderstorms in the Dakotas. I mean, just from eastern Montana into especially North Dakota, but also parts of South Dakota, they had reports of wind driven tennis ball size hail. And the winds were were being clocked by, I think it was one of the stations out at Williston had a a real weather station, had a 93 mile an hour wind gust. So there were some really strong winds and and these storms were producing pretty large hail. So wind driven large hail can pack a punch and do a lot of damage. We don't have anything like that to worry about. It's just been hot. It's probably going to not rain very much uh, until the next time we talk. And that's going to be over a week. And as we were talking about before we went on, yep, Minnesota has slipped, or I should say lurched into drought. We'd been kind of teetering on the edge of it. Uh, now over 40% of the state is actually in an official drought designation of moderate drought. And the entire state is at least abnormally dry, which is kind of a pre-drought category. So the majority of the state is either abnormally dry or in that first level of drought, which is called moderate drought. And there's even some pockets of uh, the next level, which is severe drought in parts of southern Minnesota. We've just these precipitation deficits are catching up with us. Uh, We're spending too much time in between rainfall events. And when it rains, it's not enough to catch us up. And as we had happened, you know, then we have a scorching heat wave uh, lying on top of that. And that just made it it's been too much. So we need to come out of this pattern or or it's just going to escalate. But, uh, yeah, we're at the beginning of a of a, a drought officially now. And Kenny, there's really no immediate relief in sight, correct? Even going out six, 10 days? I mean, you know, the Weather Service mentioned in their discussions last night and this morning in some of the recent discussions that 
it's not the same heat wave for sure. There, it looks like there's going to be a couple hot days next week, but this sort of day after day run does not look like it's making a, a return. But it's going to be a while before we're, you know, down in the low 50s at night. I hope that happens in the next week or so, but it, it doesn't look like a, it doesn't look very likely at this point. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say the kind of relief that you're thinking of. On the other hand, Jim, when it's 95 degrees every day and uh, and the nights don't get below 70, you know, maybe maybe a high of 88 feels like relief. <laughs> it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> and I also assume no real relief in sight as well uh, regarding uh, precipitation. Yeah, this isn't super promising. Uh, I was on a radio show this morning speaking with a, a host from the Two Harbors area, and we were just talking about how the, the weather models right now are very optimistic, as they have been for months, that it's going to start raining hard in about seven days, but it just never gets much closer than that. And so it's hard to have, now that we've had this multi-month pattern where it looks wet, it looks like you're going to get into a wet pattern, but it doesn't really materialize. Maybe one out of four times it actually materializes. So you end up with you know, one week per month that's actually getting decent precipitation. Um, it's hard to trust that prognosis. There's nothing really in the forecast for the next week or so showing uh, significant precipitation in Minnesota. Certainly nothing to start pulling us out of this major deficit that's building. But, you know, the, the weather is not that easy to predict once you get into, you know, the two to five week period. And so maybe, Jim, maybe there's a pattern change coming that we don't see. Maybe we're going to get, you know, we're expecting a really active tropical weather season. And maybe, maybe a couple of these are going to come up the zipper, just right up the Mississippi and and dump a bunch of rain on us, or at least help uh, export some of their moisture into our region and, uh, you know, imbue the next systems that come by after that with extra moisture and we end up getting dumped. It's hard to know. But right now we're in a drought pattern and I don't see any strong signals of that changing soon. Well, let's certainly hope that we get a pattern shift and get some of that much needed precipitation. It sounds like uh, dry conditions and drought are fairly common in the western parts of the United States right now. Hearing about uh, very serious drought conditions in Colorado, concerns about water in uh, California, uh, wildfires in California, potentially also Washington State and Oregon. Uh, so just uh, a real need for precipitation in a rather substantial part of the country, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the western half or so of the country is is running pretty dry, maybe the western 40%. And we're on the eastern edge of that, and, the, and we're starting to get some signs of it. What's interesting is you don't have to go too far to the east. You know, in the eastern U.S., where I'm going to be next week, I mean, they've been flash flood watches and they've got precipitation surpluses. So it's really uh, we're just on different sides of the same pattern where we're stuck in getting kind of dry air pulled into our region. There are other areas that are in a kind of nonstop conveyor belt of moisture. Well, as we had promised in the tease, we're going to talk about a tornado event that took place 40 years ago this coming Monday 
June 14th, and uh, it did depend where you were living in the Twin Cities at the time in terms of how you would probably describe the event. If you were in Minneapolis, it was the Lake Harriet tornado. If you were in Edina, the Edina tornado, it famously knocked down the um, marquee on the Edina Theater, which sadly has now apparently gone out of business uh, in the wake of COVID. But um, then it could have been the Harmar tornado if you were in that area. Uh, and um, it was a rather significant event. Kenny, how did that particular event unfold? Yeah, so it was a Father's Day weekend, and uh, I actually did a fun run with my dad and my brother that weekend, and it poured, 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 poured in the morning. And it was just, a, a you know, we think of this event uh, and I've you know done research on severe weather and we remember there's a tornado that went across the Twin Cities and that was a big deal. But that whole weekend was very stormy. And even in the morning, the morning of the tornado, a violent thunderstorm complex moved across the southern Twin Cities metro and into kind of the Rice County area, uh, Northfield area. And it produced estimated winds of 80 to 120 miles an hour. This was a completely separate storm. Sunday morning, June 14th, 1981, and it was demolishing outbuildings in, in rural parts of the Southern Twin Cities area. So that was, it, we just had a, you know, meteorologically, we had strong winds aloft. We had uh, a moist, very humid air mass moving in and a low pressure area approaching from the West, bringing in a cold front. And that's just a really good recipe for severe weather. And so later that day, as, as the air became quite muggy in the Twin Cities area, a uh, thunderstorm blossomed over the southwestern Twin Cities metropolitan area, started producing hail in the Lake Minnetonka area. Was, there were a couple thunderstorm cells, but the main one moved into uh, the Edina area in the late afternoon and produced a tornado not too far, just a little bit southwest of 50th in France. And that tornado tracked right over the Edina movie theater, twisted and then bent down. I don't know if you remember the old pictures, but it bent that marquee and then kind of twisted it to the ground. And then it tracked from that point over essentially western and northern Lake Harriet. I mean, it crossed about half of the lake and hit particularly hard the, the pavilion at Beards Plaisance. It threw that, lifted it off its uh, structure and threw it into the lake picked up a bunch of water from the lake, picked up some fish from the lake, which is something that tornadoes like to do occasionally, uh, knocked down almost every tree in the Roberts Bird Sanctuary, pretty much every tree in the Rose Gardens and the old park commissioner house by Lindale Farmstead was damaged pretty extensively. And then the tornado just tracked over the Chicago Lake area, passed, uh, went and damaged the old Agassiz School. Mercifully, it actually appeared to briefly lift off the ground and uh and miss the area between the university of minnesota and the and downtown minneapolis and then it went back down near st anthony park in st paul tracked into the harmar area where it actually deposited some of those fish from lake harriet into the parking lot that wow was a neat, neat little site did a lot of residential and tree damage at the time and then moved into uh roseville where it finally dissipated after doing extensive damage. I think officially it was 80, 83 injuries and one, one fatality near Lake Harriet was rated an F3 tornado, I guess, retroactively, we would call it an EF3, uh, pretty damaging uh, winds probably in the, you know, it's always an estimate in the 150 mile an hour range. 
And uh, it, it was not enormous, but it was a good-sized tornado, occasionally uh, up to a half a mile wide at the base. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, – and then it, we were a little slow to pick up on it. So the original warnings – I lived not too far from Lake Harriet. That's where I grew up. So we had the winds pass our house. I mean, big gusts of wind, and you could see the trees kind of bending. And But we didn't know that there was a tornado. There was no warning yet. It was about three or four minutes after the wind subsided that the first report officially came in and the sirens went off. And so there was a little bit of a catch-up game going on between the warnings and where the tornado actually was. And that led to some confusion. Initially, it was assumed that there were three separate tornadoes, one in uh, Edina and one in Minneapolis and one in, in Roseville. And it wasn't until a couple of days later that it was confirmed to be a single track. Uh, the former state climatologist Earl Keenest uh, walked the entire length of the tornado path and was able to confirm a pretty much continuous track. Well, Kenny, we all have memories of that day. Uh, I remember I had worked an early shift, 5.30 a.m. at a radio station in the Twin Cities. I was living over by the University of Minnesota at the time. It was Father's Day, as you mentioned, and uh, we were having dinner uh, for my dad. So uh, I had gone home about uh, 2.30 or so and caught a brief nap until I was roused by the uh, civil defense sirens and walked down to our front porch where my mom and dad were sitting. And my mom, who grew up on a farm, uh, said, oh, we already heard the tornado pass by. We were uh, mm. living, or my parents were living at that time, by Bidet Macasca. So it, uh, it crossed rather close to uh, my childhood home. Uh, so wow. that was my memory. But then, of course, I went back to work and uh, drove down to the uh, site around, uh, it would have been 38th and Bryant, and uh, phoned in uh, from something quaint called a telephone booth to the radio station and uh, described what had happened, talked to a, a couple of people whose houses had been in the path. Uh, but, but what are your memories, Kenny, of that day? Oh, I mean, it was, I was, you know, playing soccer in the backyard, the sky turned kind of green and I was already, so I was already a huge weather fan, even though I was seven, I was only seven years old, but I loved storms. I was terrified of them. Uh, I remember we were playing soccer outside and there was a brief kind of a sun shower and then it got muggier and within about 15 or minutes or a half an hour of that, you could see this much darker and more ominous clouds on the horizon uh, and the, our horizon, we're South Minneapolis. So we could basically see, uh, you know, maybe 10 miles or something because it was, there's lots of trees. And I was sort of looking up because he very dark clouds, not too far away. And my mom told my friend he had to go home and uh, I went into the house and then kind of watched as the winds picked up and, you know, they were, pushing the trees almost to the point of snapping and bending, but you know, almost uprooting and almost snapping, but they never did. But I did remember very distinctly that the, the trees were kind of pointed down the street to the North at the beginning of the storm, at the beginning of this gust. And then about a minute later, they were pointing kind of almost not quite the opposite direction. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. It was only years later. I figured out, Oh, that was, you know, we were about a mile away from the tornado. That was the circulation of the tornado passing. The winds would have been as it's to our Northwest, the winds would have come, you know, essentially uh, kind of out of the West or Southwest initially. 
And then as the tornado passed, they would have been basically coming out of the uh, Northeast. So that, that sort of made sense. I would say 50 to 70 mile an hour winds, 50 to 60 mile an hour winds in our neighborhood, but you only had to go a few blocks to the North and you could see trees down, trees down on houses. And then the, the more significant damage as you got into the area where you were 38th, the, you know, the Lindale Farmstead area, Agassiz School, I think it was 38th and Grand, and then that whole area up into Chicago Lake, uh, they were hit very hard. Well, Kenny, we will chat again in about two weeks' time. You and your family are going to be riding roller coasters throughout the uh, the eastern and southeastern part of the country, correct? That is correct. <laughs> uh, guilty pleasure we have. We, we've, uh, we've always... Uh, been roller coaster enthusiasts. It's something I've done with the kids for several years. So got a little road trip planned to go visit some of the good ones. Well, and, Kenny, uh, yeah. Yeah, make sure you enjoy and uh, everybody stay safe over the next uh, 48 hours or so, probably especially the next 12 hours. It'll still be pretty hot. Stay hydrated. Uh, don't work too hard outside. Uh, pay attention to your body's signs. And um, Kenny, we'll look forward to checking in with you uh, when you're back on terra firma and not uh, somewhere up uh, on a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, lo- losing my mind going down a big steep drop. All right. Well, thanks, Jim. You have a great weekend and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. We'll talk to you soon.